lead us not into temptation. The words just sort of roll right off the tongue, don't they? They're so familiar. I've been praying them every night since I can remember being able to pray. And I don't think I knew what temptation really was as a little child, just like I didn't know what hallowed be thy name or trespasses meant either, which is okay, by the way, parents and kids. It's the power of the liturgy is, isn't that we know instantly what it means. It's that it's deep enough to travel with us throughout our whole lives as we gradually unpack what these ancient words have meant for other people and what they mean for us in our journey with God. For instance, this year, my 40th Lent as a Christian is the first time it really sank in for me that the one who authored this prayer, lead us not into temptation, was himself led into temptation, seemingly by God. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, God was not the tempter. Let's be clear. God never is. This happens, after all, just after Jesus is baptized by John and that same Spirit descends upon him like a dove, saying, You are my beloved Son. God is not playing games with Jesus here, testing his faith, as we sometimes say. But God also does not spare Jesus from this universal human experience of being in the wilderness, of being alone, of facing one's own demons head on. And the church gives us this story every single year on the first Sunday in Lent as we, too, enter more deeply into our own struggle to be human, as we wrestle with who we are as the baptized children of God, and as we contend against the various lies that the accuser, that's what the devil really means, what the accuser throws at us. Lies which make us question whether those words the Spirit spoke over our lives are really true. You are my daughter, my son, my beloved. Am I really? The tempter wants you to ask. If I am your daughter or your son, then why do you sometimes feel so absent, God? Why? For instance, do ordinary people who are so innocent and full of life kill each other and destroy each other's cities without even understanding the reason? Why does someone who is perfectly healthy one month find themselves updating their will this month because of an aggressive cancer diagnosis? Why, if I am your child, do my parents fight, a child asks at night. Why don't my kids and grandkids come to church anymore? An elderly saint asks. What am I doing wrong? Asks the teacher, the counselor, the pastor, when nothing seems to be connecting anymore. If you are a child of God, that tempter asks, then why has God left you carrying this heavy cross? 
Is that how any good God would treat God's loved ones? The most difficult temptations are almost never to do bad things. They are the voices that make us question who we are, our worth, our goodness in the eyes of God. Are we really who God says we are, or are we imposters? Or to put it another way, is this wilderness, however we experience it, is it really on the way to that promised land, or is this just how things are going to be forever? In the Bible, 40 days is always an in-between time. The Hebrew people often used numbers as symbolic, more than literal, as in the seven days of creation, seven being the number of completion or wholeness of perfection. Or, if you think of instances where divine intervention happens on the third day, right? And you may recall that Noah's flood lasted how many days? 40 days and 40 nights, as did Moses' trip up Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments, 40 days and 40 nights, both of which were turning points in the history of God's people, as was Israel's wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But these were not easy times, certainly not made any easier by the fact that in some way, God brought the people to this place of deep spiritual reckoning. It's almost as if part of what it means to be the people of God is living in the wilderness from time to time. Not because God enjoys seeing us struggle, but because being the people of God always means living out our faith in the real world the world as it actually is, where our words and actions and choices have real consequences. In a way, Lent is sort of like a spiritual antidote to a kind of religion so popular these days, the kind that promises that if we only work hard enough and believe hard enough, everything in our lives will just get better. You might see some of that on TV. But that's the kind of religion that Jesus rejected in our gospel today. And it's the kind of religion that people always end up abandoning once life gets hard and they find themselves in their own wilderness and those promises suddenly feel empty and trite. But Christianity is not the opiate of the masses that Karl Marx claimed it was. It is not some pie-in-the-sky religion that numbs us to the pain or the reality of life. Christianity does the opposite, inviting us into the struggle, into these periods of wrestling with God and with ourselves so that we come out on the other side as new people with new hearts when the 40 days are ended, as they always, always do. I used to think that the pandemic shutdown was our sort of modern-day wilderness, the 40 days of our lifetimes. And in a lot of ways, it, it kind of was. But more and more, I wonder if it's actually now. 
Maybe now, especially for us in the church, is this in-between time of what church was like then, before our lives were completely disrupted and we had to find new ways of staying connected, and this new thing of what the church will become. Now that life has in some ways returned to normal, but we all haven't, because none of us are the same people we were two years ago. Our lives have all changed in ways that maybe we don't fully realize. Our routines and habits have changed. There are some things we value more now than we did before, and other things we value less. For some of us, this time has provided space for spiritual renewal, and for others, it has felt like a very lonely desert. And so I'm beginning to realize that we as a congregation can't just hit the boop, the reset button and go back to First Lutheran Church as it was in February 2020 when we had 102 people in worship and a sanctuary full of children, although that usher count is still tacked on the bulletin board where Jack put it two years ago. The question is perhaps, who do we want to be going forward? What do we want to hold on to and bring forward with us? And what needs to be created anew? How do we use these 40 days, however long it takes, to not simply try to recover what we lost, but also live into what God is calling us to be, without falling into the temptation of trying to be something we are not? Jesus knew who he was. That is what gave him the strength to resist the allure of those three quick fixes the tempter held out to him. If you are the Son of God, snap your fingers and fix all this. Only someone as grounded in his identity as Jesus was could reply, no, it's not if. It's because I am the Son of God that I will not do that. I will not do some razzle-dazzle that will make for some temporary gains that make me look good, but which does not address the heart of the problem. I will not give the people bread and circuses when what they really need is food that will make them never hunger again. Bread that is my body, given for them, broken for them. The presence of God in their suffering, in their temptation, even in their death. Just as Jesus does not jump off that pinnacle of the temple and wait for angels to catch him, he also doesn't leap, help us leap over the valley of the shadow of death or the chasm of cancer or the abyss of accident or tragedy. As we reminded our, each other this past Wednesday with ashes, no one gets a detour around death. But we can say, with the psalmist who wrote about such valleys many centuries ago, but you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we hear God saying back to us, and you are my beloved child. There is no place so lonely or so scary or so dark that I am not there in love for you. I still pray the words, lead us not into temptation, and I mean them. But I no longer mean by them, God, keep me from the hard things. Keep me from struggling or wrestling with my faith. Prevent me from ever experiencing the wilderness that you experienced for my sake. 
Rather, when I say, leap me not into temptation, I say, God, just never let me forget who I am. Never let me think that I am not yours, that I am not a full human being if my life doesn't look the way I planned in this moment. Never let me think that you have left me here alone to fend for myself without your protection, without the sustenance of your word and your body and blood. Never let me fall victim to the tempter's lies that confirm the worst things I believe about myself, but which contradict the words that you spoke over my life in my baptism. Lead me into the wilderness, and I will follow. Just please, God, save me from that. And God, in God's mercy, always does. That, beloved, is a promise God always keeps. As we make this 40-day journey together, remember that. Remember that when you find yourself led somewhere that feels like too much, just calling on him, as Paul says, just calling on the name of the Lord will be enough to silence the accuser, the tempter. Just remembering him and the baptism which makes you his own will always be enough to lead you through the wilderness from the 40 days to that glorious third day. Amen.